NPR. This is the indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma here with Darian Woods. Hey, hey. And uh, Planet Money's Amanda Aranchik. Hey, how's it going, everybody? My favorite Amanda of the Planet Money crew. Oh, my goodness. I'll take it. We are all here for Indicators of the Week. I have a sounds boring, but is actually fascinating indicator about cardboard boxes. That doesn't sound boring. That sounds great. I've been very excited to hear what you have. Thank you. You are the audience that I am <laughs> aiming for with this one. My indicator is about the Reddit blackout this week. And I'm going to talk about the European Union's strong moves on AI regulation. That's all coming up after the break. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at etrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. It's Indicators of the Week, and first off, we have Adrian Ma. Tell us what you have. My indicator is 11%, and it has to do with the humble cardboard box. Just to set the table here, you know, we often focus on what is inside of a box, right? Whether we bought a pair of shoes or a box of cereal or a washing machine. But how often do we stop to appreciate the box itself? All the time. Look, I'm not a cat or a four-year-old, so uh, I don't appreciate the box. I disagree with Darian. I very much appreciate the box. The boxes are amazing. I store so many things in random boxes, of course. So helpful. Okay, let me see if I can change your mind, Darian. I mean, can you think of anything besides maybe, like, fresh produce that doesn't come in a box? Boxes are essential to our whole consumer supply chain. Boxes are important. I I grant you that. And that is why this story for Bloomberg caught my eye this week. It cites data from the Fiber Box Association, which says sales of cardboard boxes, or corrugated boxes if you want to sound fancy, sales of those boxes from March of last year to March of this year are down 11%. Huh. That doesn't really make any sense to me, though, because all I have done is buy stuff over the last year or so. Amanda's propping up the box industry. I don't know what is going on. I am definitely (laughs) propping up the box industry, so I don't know how it could possibly be going down. Amanda, yes, you're doing your part. I am. Thank you. To keep the box industry going. Mm. But, you know, it gives us some insight into what consumers are doing. I guess. Besides <laughs> you, Amanda. <laughs> I mean, one thing that it indicates is that a lot of consumers are feeling the pinch of inflation. So get this. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, real wages, which is what people take home after accounting for inflation, people's real weekly wages went down about 4% over the past couple of years. And along with that, people have been spending less on goods like electronics, appliances, and furniture. You know, all very box-centric products. The folks in the box industry would say that a decline in box sales is like a leading economic indicator because of how widely boxes are used in the supply chain. And they have been worrying about this drop in sales 
for months. I actually found an article from Freight Waves in January, which is this like logistics news website, and they say they're predicting a box bloodbath. Ah, this year, in 2023. That does not sound good. <laughs> Everyone's got their box cutters and they're out <laughs> for the boxes. So that <laughs> we might be seeing the beginning of that box bloodbath. I mean, I personally would have said apocalypse. A box apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Boxalypse? Botox lips. It's better, though, definitely. Well, thanks for that, Adrian. Um, I will brace myself for the boxalypse. And before then, we've got an indicator from Amanda. What do you have? Yes. So my indicator this week is 8,000, which is roughly the number of Reddit communities that went on strike this week. Reddit has been planning to go public, but the company is apparently not very profitable. They don't release their financial statements, but estimates put their profits somewhere around 150, 200 million a year, which is like... Tiny. A little, yeah, oh. little like nothing. Only a few hundred million. <laughs> Only a few hundred million. <laughs> but, you know, like less than some of the other like social media platforms and stuff. Right. I guess, yeah, compared to Instagram or YouTube. So a couple of months ago, what they did was they decided to start charging companies that use their info and their data, which up till now has been free. This was supposed to target like some of the big companies like Google and OpenAI, but it also ends up applying to these little apps like Reddit is Fun and Apollo, which are basically like apps that pull in Reddit's information and kind of display it more clearly. I think people who use Reddit a lot are like, wow, this is a really terrible website. True. It is useful as a website. It is also kind of like a visual assault it is, uh, yes. on your eyeballs. Yes. <laughs> So this increase in fees is kind of quietly happening. And then this one person who built a popular app called Apollo announces that the change in fees is going to cost him $20 million a year, which is like a lot more than he'd been paying because he'd been paying nothing. So they're making up the shortfall in their profits basically uh, from one guy. I mean, I'm kidding, but uh, it's a huge chunk of their profits. Yeah. So the guy is like, I'm going to have to shut down my app. Uh, So at the end of June, he's like, no more Apollo. And all of a sudden there's like kind of a groundswell and people decide they're going to have a 48-hour blackout of subreddits. So you can't get into these communities if you wanted to. So for 48 hours, shower thoughts subreddit or your wholesome memes subreddit. No shower thoughts. You're going to have to write shower thoughts on a piece of paper (laughs) and give it to your your roommates instead. Can't post them on uh, on Reddit. What ends up happening, though, is like 48 hours is not um, very long. And the CEO of Reddit is like, okay, this is easy to ignore. Let's just move forward. We can write this out. Exactly. We'll just like wait for this to end and then we'll we'll like focus again. But Reddit is, in fact, a very important piece of the Internet, right? Like, unlike Instagram or Twitter, where people go to get likes, like, there's actual conversations going on on Reddit, right? People are, like, chatting with each other and interacting with each other. Wait, what? This is a controversial point. This... I, I don't know if we can let this stand. Hear me that, out. Uh, Hear me out. People on Instagram and Twitter don't go to go have real conversations. Well, forgive me for one minute, Darian. I'm going to give an ode to Reddit. Reddit is, in many ways, what the Internet was supposed to be. Like, it's a place to actually find community. There are communities for people who like dad jokes and cats with jobs and earth porn, which is landscape photos, (laughs) and things that make you go, aw. (laughs) These are all communities that stayed on strike after the 48 hours were up, and some subreddits are still on strike right now. All right, I guess we'll see how that kind of shakes out, which brings us to Darian. Give us your indicator. My indicator is the European Union passing a draft Artificial Intelligence Act. Regulators in the European Union are trying to catch up with advances in AI chatbots and in voice recognition and in driverless car systems and art generators. It's not law yet. There's still a lot of processes for this to go through, wind its way through the European Union. And if this passes, this would 
really set a precedent for ways to regulate AI around the world. So what is actually in, uh, it's an act? What is this, what's in this act? So there are some pretty strong proposals in here. Live facial recognition would be banned in the European Union. You mean the, the facial recognition technology that is like currently being used all over the world? Yeah, there might be some exceptions for um, national security, but for companies, they would ban it. Um, but you know what? These tools can go even further now. Uh, there is emotions detecting software, and this would be banned in workplaces too. Oh, but what if I want my work to know how I'm feeling? <laughs> well, then you can tell them. I can but, tell uh, them. Yeah, okay. You're right. I can just say, I'm really enjoying uh, being on the indicator with you guys today. This is fun. <laughs> there would also be a ban on using AI for predictive policing. Mm. Mm-hmm. What, like in like minority report style policing, where they detect like crime before it happens? Yeah, they saw that movie. They didn't want it to happen. So, yeah, you can do all the thought crimes you want in Europe, apparently, if this law passes. <laughs> a haven for thought criminals. Okay. But, you know, jokes aside, overall, this act is about transparency and privacy related to AI. So AI-generated content would have to say that it's AI-generated. Also, the AI companies would have to disclose where they trained the models. And for what's deemed high-risk applications of AI, uh, the companies would also have to write these impact assessments before they release the tools. That's hoped to reduce harms like discrimination and misinformation. So it seems like this is like a lot of rules. Are people worried? What's the reaction been? You know, it really depends who you talk to. You might have heard Sam Altman from OpenAI last month. He was saying, you know, if the rules are too stringent, we might even have to pull out of Europe. I mean, he's since backtracked. But, you know, this is the kind of concerns that some companies have. Um, But AI risk advocates are cheering it on. The US, by contrast, has done a lot of talking, uh, but hasn't drafted anything close to this. All right, guys. Well, this has been super fun. Can I do the credits? Go for it. Oh, yeah. All right. Here we go. This show was produced by Brittany Cronin with engineering by Maggie Luthar. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Viet Le is our senior producer. And Kate Kincannon edits the show. The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.